Hey guys, before we get into the podcast today, this is your host, Emma Graney, and I just want to encourage you all to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, be it Google Play or Stitcher or iTunes or TuneIn Radio. Uh, And if you can't find us, do search for Edmonton Journal. And if we don't appear, shoot me a line at egraney at postmedia.com, or you can find me very easily on Twitter, Emma L. Graney, uh, where I spend far too much of my time, to be frank. Enjoy this week's episode of The Press Gallery. Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney. It, oh, what is the date today? It is Friday, December 8th, 2017, and this is the Plates, Pipelines and Packs edition. With me today, I have my colleague down at the legislature, Claire Clancy. Hello, Emma. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Super hungover. Um, <laughs> it was a Press Gallery Christmas party. See, Last and night. Emma forgot my invitation, and so I didn't get to go to the Press Gallery Christmas party. So I am bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Not that I'm ever hungover. I mostly just gorge on the <laughs> shrimp buffet when I go. <laughs> Paula Simons, how are you? I, I have... As, as explained, you're, as explained, you're feeling I'm great. I'm bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, but lacking my <laughs> annual feed of faculty club shrimp. I'm sorry. Graham Thompson? Well, I went last night, and I'm not hungover. I know how to... <laughs> limit myself it's almost like you're older than i am and a almost. sensible human being almost how unusual <laughs> all right so today we're going to be talking about a few things i couldn't help but bring the license plate brouhaha <laughs> to talk about today because it's just such a fun topic we're also going to talk about pipelines and we're going to talk very very briefly well maybe for a little bit about the um new legislation that has come um that regulates political action committees or PACs or third-party advertisers, as they're called in the legislation. Let's talk about the license plate one. Brouhaha. The brouhaha. Putting the ha-ha back, <laughs> back in brouhaha. <laughs> God, that is so true, Graham. What happened this week, Graham? You were following well, this pretty closely, I actually, right? Paula wrote a column you on did. it, so I'm going to let yes. Paula... All right, so... Take it over, Paula. Uh, uh, Wednesday morning, the Saskatchewan government, the Department of Highways and Infrastructure, put out the most perplexing press release. And it's written in this really chippy, uh, giving you the middle finger kind of voice for, really? a, for a government press release. And it says that from now on, no vehicles with Alberta license plates will be allowed on publicly funded and tendered construction sites in the province of Saskatchewan. So yeah. this is, you know, primarily highway construction, but it could potentially be any kind of major construction that's funded by the Department of Infrastructure. And it puts the onus on the person who wins the tender. Mm. So if you're the contractor and you've won the tender, you have to police your job site to ensure that there are no sneaky Albertans who have snuck on uh, <laughs> with their Alberta licensed trucks or backhoe or, uh, you know, large pieces of industrial equipment. Uh, and the, the press release says in part that this is because Alberta does the same thing and Saskatchewan's put up with it for years and they're not putting up with it anymore. Uh, and then it also uh, sort of has a quote about how this is to protect the Saskatchewan construction industry and allow its market share to grow. These are two separate thoughts. Um, <laughs> but it, it was kind of weird. It and was really weird. It, so, you know, when, when, uh, when I phoned uh, Darren Billis's office and asked for an interview. Our trade they, minister, of course. Yes. Uh, they said, oh, no, Darren, Darren's going to say something in a scrum, and you should make sure that Claire and Emma are there. And so I said, hey, Claire and Emma, can you make sure that you ask Darren Billis this question? And then you did. Oh, yeah. I 
Darren Billis, I mean, he, he doesn't mind scrumming, but he really loved scrumming on this. And he answered about a billion questions in question period yesterday about it. Claire, so what happened? What did Billis say? I mean, he, he was... <laughs> He loved this. Well, he definitely had fun with it. And I think it's, uh, yeah, basically just coming, it's turned into the kind of this mini trade war with Saskatchewan, which Again, I think we can yeah. all enjoy. <laughs> um, but it's interesting given too that it's Bradwell's last week as well, or last day was yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I think it was uh, pretty hilarious seeing kind of this this play out. And also I, I talked to uh, Rachel, Not- we talked to Rachel Notley a little bit about mm-hmm. it. And she even came out and kind of said, this is, you know, there have been so many explanations put forward by the Saskatchewan government in the last 12 hours. Yeah, well, right. Because so the- this is the thing. I mean, so what Darren Billis came out and said was, you have one week. You have one week, Brad Wall. You have one week to back down from this ridiculous thing or we're taking you to court. You know, we're going to meet you. We're going to meet you at high noon in the OK Corral. TikTok, Saskatchewan. TikTok. TikTok. So meanwhile, while Darren Billis is saying that to Emma and Claire, uh, Saskatchewan's Minister of Highways and Dave Infrastructure. Merritt. Oh, Dave, my God. Dave Merritt is, is scrumming in Saskatchewan with our colleagues in the Saskatchewan in the Regina Press Gallery. And our, our our Regina colleagues sound honestly gobsmacked when you listen back to the tape because they say to him, you know, Minister, why are we doing this? He says, well, because Alberta does it. And they say, well, Alberta says they don't do it. Do you have any proof that Alberta does it? He's like, bah, proof. What is what is what is this thing you, you speak of called proof? And then they said, so it's like, why are we doing this? And he goes off on this com- complete tangent about the sales tax and how it's not fair that Alberta is the only province without a PST and that, you know, the reason that they're going to let trucks from Manitoba and BC and, you know, other provinces onto their job sites is because they have to pay a PST and no one in Alberta does. They don't have to pay PST on their trucks, so their trucks shouldn't be allowed to come to Saskatchewan because he's just trying to level the playing field. And then... Remembering that we have something called the New West Partnership, which which <laughs> forbids protectionism, the minister actually comes out and says that it is his job to protect Saskatchewan businesses from Alberta competition. God bless Saskatchewan, <laughs> and because because Claire and I have both covered um we've both covered the legislature in Saskatchewan. I can just imagine the, what scrum. that would have Amazing. been like. It would have been so well, fun. This is a gift for the Notley oh, government. Oh, it's like they are up loving with Christmas this. Christmas well, right? Yeah, like, there we go. Ah, uh, the good old cliche. <laughs> uh, but this is the government loves this because they can then point to Saskatchewan first of all and say. Well, yes, we are more competitive here. We have no provincial <laughs> sales tax. Things are better here for business. Check it hey, out. hey, you conservatives <laughs> in Saskatchewan. And it's because a real problem for the UCP who are always pointing to Saskatchewan <laughs> as being the golden place where conservative values are so much better. And you've got now Notley standing up really tough for Alberta because the UCP is being saying for some time, you've got to stand up for Alberta. And here is Notley <laughs> slamming Saskatchewan gleefully. And the UCP really can't defend Saskatchewan on this. They're actually, in a sense, defending Notley, thanking her for standing <laughs> up for Alberta. But of course, they're uh, trying to swing it though about, well, how come you didn't do this points. on the pipeline? Exactly. So you got Kenny saying, "Yeah, good for you for standing up uh, against Saskatchewan, but it's time to stand up against British Columbia." Two, uh, two different issues, completely different issues, and they're just having so much fun with it. That's why it's so beautiful to watch. Because even Notley speaking at the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce yesterday, she started her speech with a joke about um, how if you had a Saskatchewan license plate, you might be towed, and it got <laughs> great laughs. And then she kind of followed it up by saying, "But everybody's welcome in Alberta. We're a welcoming province." Well, I know, because I mean, this allows Notley, right? I mean, it's, it's Bradwall blew her a kiss on his way out the door, right? I mean, this allows her to position herself as the champion of free trade and free markets, the champion of Alberta's low taxes. I mean, it's, it's surreal. And the thing, that's, the thing that is just bizarre is that 
Saskatchewan is absolutely standing standing by this. I mean, Darren Billis is like, they're not yeah. returning my phone calls. Like, it'll, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they that's won't the pick up Darren Billis's calls. He's tried. He said yesterday he's tried calling the um, transport minister and the trade minister. And neither of them in Saskatchewan are returning his calls. And it's worth noting too that, so yeah, yesterday was Brad Wall's last day in office. And Wayne Manteca, who is a long time CTV reporter in Regina, stopped Brad Wall in the parking lot going into the ledge to ask him about this license plate kerfuffle. And Brad Wall weighed in. He said, you know what? Yeah, we're going all the way to court. We're going to do it because Alberta started this with the beer wars. That's an actual quote. And then he threw out at the end, he goes, you know what? And it was kind of like, oh, screw it. It's my last day. I'm just going to tell you all. He went, not a lot of people know this, but the reason that Canada doesn't have full-on free trade when it comes to procurement and contracts is Alberta, because we were trying to negotiate this at the 2016 Premier's Conference, and it was Alberta that stood in the way, and they insisted on having a 20% Alberta-only you know, clause. And if you're going, what do you say? If you're going to live by the protectionist sword, then you're going to have to face the consequences. It was this bizarre like parting shot of just screw you. I would leave. love to be a fly on the walls of a fly on the wall in those meetings right now in Saskatchewan where they're trying to strategize about what the next step is well, because it just li- is so funny. But they wouldn't I- let Dave Merritt talk to reporters yesterday because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he was so he was so clearly off message. I mean his I mean what he said in the scrum was, was bizarre. Was, but, uh, oh, just was just weird. just to inject a little bit of uh, fact factness into this. Um, Here's here's what I can tell you. Under the terms of the New West Partnership, uh, any government contract, uh, construction contract, that is valued at more than $100,000, you can't have any kind of protectionism and you can't do anything under the the regulations to circumvent. Uh, Also, uh, it is standard practice, and I know this from talking to the heavy construction and road builders here in Alberta, they told me that the usual protocol is if you're going to be on a job site out of province for more than 30 days, most provinces do require you to relicense. So if you're going to be there long term, uh, right. for insurance purposes, they want you insured in that province. And that, and that makes sense. And he said Saskatchewan already does that, and Alberta already does that. He said the real problem is that like, if you're just going to come on site for a couple of days, if you're a specialist doing a particular task, or if you're mm-hmm. a senior guy from the big construction company and you're coming out to do a site inspection, or if, say, it's before the job starts and you've come out to do the surveying uh, and you're only going to be there for you know a short period of time, mm-hmm. Saskatchewan's rules would say that you can't, like, you can't be on the site at all, not for five minutes with your Alberta license plate. You know, I mean, so fair enough if you're going to be there long term for insurance purposes to make cars replate. But when I spoke to the sort of the big union spokesperson who represents Building Trades Alberta, he said it's just it's just a flat out lie what Saskatchewan says that people automatically have to replate here. He said the only thing he can think that Saskatchewan is talking about, he said sometimes the job sites in Alberta are so big and have so many workers on them that they don't let anybody drive onto the work site. It's not to do with keeping the Flatlanders out. It's, it's, it's got to do with just conge- traffic congestion on the job site, that you put everybody into buses and you bus them in. He said maybe it's possible that someone from Saskatchewan to- was told they couldn't drive onto the site. They were probably wearing a Rough Riders jersey at the time. Th- 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 I mean, I think that, that's it. If we didn't let people in in Rough Riders jerseys or with watermelons on their heads, no watermelons. There's a mystery here as to why they're doing it. You mentioned Brad Wall talking about the 2016 Premier's Conference. It's true that Notley was the one who was saying it just couldn't be completely open uh, free trade when it comes to government um, uh, contracts because Alberta was pumping so much money 
into uh, infrastructure. They didn't want other provinces coming in, in a sense, taking all the jobs and then pumping the money back out. They wanted to keep the money in Alberta. Yeah, so that I don't agree with either. What, no, but I'm saying this, yeah. is, this, yeah. is, this is the reason that the premiers got themselves in a bit of a kerfuffle uh, over uh, Notley's position on the government contracts and why she was being, in a sense, so protectionist. And this, this irritated Wall a year and a half ago, and he's still irritated. And the problem is, this, what they're doing right now doesn't make any sense. There's a mystery as to why they're doing it. It just sounds like they're being extremely super petty. And the minister you talked about in Saskatchewan said he had heard rumors that this yes. was actually happening. It wasn't even, there was, as you mentioned, there's no facts. He had heard rumors. And you don't do government policy based <laughs> on rumors. So again, <laughs> it goes back to the Alberta oh, government is loving this on all different levels as to how they can attack the Saskatchewan government at the same time undercut the UCP, who has been um, sort of great fans of Brad Wall's government. Brad Wall said yesterday, well, you know, in the throne speech, I said, you know, we said we were just going to protect Saskatchewan. That's all we're doing. So he said that again, Paulie, yesterday. Sorry, Claire. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it, I mean, it's just a mystery to everyone what the motivation is here. And I think that's why this is such a funny story because like, yeah, the Saskatchewan government has kind of issued all these different answers to a question that no one knows kind of what, like, we don't know <laughs> what's going on. Going it's on. so confusing. <laughs> I guess, and they, um, I I guess we'll know on what Wednesday next week what Saskatchewan is doing. They say they're going to take it all the way to court because Alberta went to court over the beer war. You see, because, because it, it, quote, it, yeah. isn't, it isn't just a question of a trade uh, dispute. Mm. Uh, there's a legitimate constitutional argument mm-hmm. here uh, whether or not Saskatchewan's rule is a violation in spirit, if not in, in outright law, of Section 6.2 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which has been held by the Supreme Court right. to protect the mobility rights of workers to work in other provinces. So if this is a de facto way of stopping Alberta workers from working in Saskatchewan, that isn't just a violation of the new U.S. partnership. It's potentially a charter of, you know, it's, it's a charter challenge. And, a, you know, a union could bring that charter challenge or an individual worker could bring that charter challenge. So, yeah, that was on my citizenship exam. Mobility rights. <laughs> unfortunately, not, unfortunately, no one in the Saskatchewan cabinet <laughs> apparently has written a citizenship exam recently. That is a shame. Uh, let's move over to PACs and um, the changes to legislation around political um, political action committees. Yeah, uh, Bill Thirty Two. Bill Thirty Two. Bill Thirty, Thirty One, Thirty Two. These keep coming up. <laughs> they should call them Williams, not just Bills, because they are so <laughs> massive. <laughs> Bill sounds they way too informal. William 32. <laughs> it's like a massive piece of legislation. It's true. So what does William 32 say? Well, this is the, um, <laughs> the the government is moving against, well, they're trying to make, on one level, make voting easier, get people to, out to vote. But the real target was the political action committees. These are the, uh, call them shady organizations or committees dark that are set money. up. Dark money. It works in the shadows groups that can raise a lot of money and spend it in support of politicians and political parties and, and causes and do all kinds of things like um, public opinion polls and advertising and are not actually f- liable to all the rules that deal with political parties yeah. raising and spending money. They're kind of like the Wild West. So it's been a real issue and Glenn Resler, the um, chief electoral officer, has actually said this is a real problem. People are getting around the rules by using PACs. Yeah, he had a whole section in that in his annual That's report. That's right, annual report. And uh, so the government, a lot of pressure is now moving, trying to move against political action committees. So they're actually putting a limit on what they can actually do. 
Um, they can advertise, but they've got to say who they are when they advertise. It's not just some sort of dark group putting an ad out there. So they've got to say who it is. Um, they're limited to spending $150,000 during an election period, the election, the writ period, 28 days, and $150,000 in the three months leading up to the election, the legal election period. But how do you know when the... Because it, the, the period starts on March the 1st. Uh, by our law, it's the March the 1st. There's an election period. So it's three months before that. December 1. December yeah. 1, leading up to the election December period. December 1, the year before an election year. Yeah. Okay, but you don't... I mean, I know we have these imaginary fixed election dates, but we don't actually honor them. Well, that's just it, right? <laughs> so if, the thing is, though, if they Such go... Such a cynic, Paula. <laughs> if they go early, like... Um, Jim Prentice did, then in a sense that that, that pre-period is, it doesn't exist. I mean, th- if, th- if they go yeah. long, then that period just gets extended and it's $150,000 from December 1st until whenever the election is called. So it could be six months or a year. It is, um, <laughs> b- b- Paul is but, perplexed. And, and, and listen, we had a news conference and we were perplexed. <laughs> the thing is, though, and the rest of the time, the other three and three-quarter years, there's no limit on their spending. No, they can not. spend tons of money. Now there is a limit on what they can do with that money. They can still they still have to add, they can advertise, but they can't do things like fundraise or sell memberships or uh, do public opinion or, or polls. Give, yeah, or give their um, give their membership lists over to political parties. Exactly. So yeah. there's a limit. The thing is, though, they can't just put a, a complete limit on political action committees because the oh, courts those, have those said... Those pesky, pesky free speech free, freedom exactly. of association. <laughs> so the courts have said the free, freedom of speech, freedom of association. So these groups can actually do things, but the government's trying to put a limit on it. Now, the thing is, this still may be challenged. You got, now, the political action committees, for example, we have things like um, Alberta Can't Wait, yep. which was sort of helping uh, the uh, unity vote between the PCs and the Wild Rose. You've got um, Alberta Together, a political action committee that's been helping, so to speak, the Alberta Party, which to me actually they took over the Alberta Party because Alberta can't. I'm sorry, the Alberta Together was former Progressive Conservatives looking for a new home, it and they found it. It's not a pack, but exactly. Anywho. But they took over the Alberta Party, and then basically. you've got all of the the unions as well, yeah, which um, yes. are registered as third party advertisers. Um, Alberta Federation of Labor, a third party advertiser. So you got different groups out there doing different things to help various political parties, and the government can't clamp down on it completely because of the charter rights dealing with uh, various freedoms. One of the problems that Glenn Resler has is that advertising does not mean anything on the internet unless it is a paid ad. So, so if you it's can a promoted, have a, a, you can have Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, that's and fine. That's and, but but that's, unless it's pro- if it's a promoted tweet, like you pay for a pr- promoted tweet or you pay for a promoted Facebook post, then that would be advertising. But um, in the case of these guys, they have websites that are professional websites that have people running them. They have donate buttons. They have all of these, you know, policies. And this is where we think and the NDP sucks because or, you know, the UCP sucks because or whatever. And that's totally fine. That doesn't actually come under the definition of advertising. So they don't have to But they are broadening the definition of advertising to include things like rallies and They are, but t-shirts. anything that's online so still doesn't matter. Yeah. Anything online still doesn't count. And that's a huge problem because, I mean, obviously our, our lives are muchly online these days. Muchly. Muchly. That is a word <laughs> that I am. How can you say that a rally? Yeah, that to me sounds Ooh, so confusing. If you're, if you're paying to like rent a hall yeah. so that you can have a rally that supports a party or a candidate, 
that is coming under the broader umbrella of advertising. Mm. So it's it's interesting. And it, another big part of this legislation, oh, Bill 32, our, our, sorry, William our 32. Our Constitution such a Oh, I think well, this is going to be, be facing a court challenge. Yeah. Definitely. The, the government and knows that, and that, which is why the government's done a lot more than any other province because other provinces, I think, are afraid to go this far. But the province is trying to do something here. The government's trying to do something, but it may face a big pushback. Well, and, and, and it's worth noting, too, they are – so what they're doing is establishing a, an elections commission under this bill as well. So the idea is rather than Elections Alberta, which sets up, runs elections and all that jazz, they are now being told they have to do – um, education, public education. They have to reach out to students, for example, who are coming up to the voting age. That's part of their mandate as per this new legislation. But instead of um, the ones who are cracking down on PACs, third-party advertisers, it will be this new elections commission. So it's going to be a million-dollar body that has investigative officers who go and actually act as, I guess, you know, the PAC police. It sounds very broad, the legislation. Like, it just sounds, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I, what, what limits existed, if any, before this? Were there just no limits at all on what PACs could do? No, there was still a limit during the election period, $150,000. Now, we were asking, why didn't they limit um, corporate and union donations to PACs? But again, the answer is it's a freedom of expression, freedom of, uh, of speech issue. So, yeah, there were some limits on what PACs could do before. And Christina Gray, who's a de- uh, Democratic Renewal... She's a minister of a bunch of things. She was basically saying that we thought our rules were good enough, but it turns out they weren't. Because And the Alberta Party holds that, well, you created this monster because you were the ones that stopped union and corporate donations to um, Alberta politics in the first place, and you didn't oh, and think that, through that, the consequences. The, mo- the money ends up going someplace. If it's stymied exactly. here, it, it, runs, yeah. it runs down the other and, hill. And now it's not so transparent. Exactly. That's what their argument is. So, I mean, they're, they're pushing for this bill to go to committee. I don't think it will because, you know, we're almost at the end of session now. So, um, And now just finally, let's briefly touch on pipelines. Clancy, you covered this yesterday. Yeah, so big news for Alberta. Yesterday, the National Energy Board found that um, the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline is allowed to bypass bylaws um, with the city of Burnaby. And uh, and so that's big news. It means construction can go ahead on Kinder Morgan. Uh, basically, the company had been frustrated and saying that the city uh, bylaws were, were stalling uh, stalling progress. Uh, Premier Rachel Notley came down to the press gallery yesterday to talk a little bit about it because we didn't know that the ruling was going to come out yesterday. Right. Um, and uh, she said that it looks as though it's a sign that the National Energy Board is kind of uh, going to hopefully be ruling in Alberta's favor um, kind of in the future because they still have uh, still still have some things to decide obviously yeah you know I mean this is this is going to be a challenge for any pipeline and it's good that the NEP I think clarified this because if every municipality along a pipeline route can say oh well you know you need a construction permit you need to follow this and such local bylaw when you're talking about a piece of national infrastructure exactly uh, you know so it's not just it's not just environmentalists in Burnaby who are going to be ticked by this are going to be a lot of municipalities who are going to say, wait a minute, this is a, this is a precedent for any kind of national infrastructure that you're saying that, you know, that a national body trumps a local body. But in fact, that is how the laws of Canada work. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I, pesky laws. I, I mean, if, if I were a Burnaby city councillor, I would be extremely annoyed, but th- you, you can't you know, you, you can imagine how ludicrous it would be if at every stop along the pipeline route, uh, each individual town could impose its own uh, 
its own rules and regulations. And, you know, politically, this is a great week for Rachel Notley because she just finished her um, pipeline, pro-pipeline messaging tour across the country where she made stops in Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary, and then ended yesterday at the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce. And, um, yeah, just great timing, honestly. Last stop, made a speech about being pro-pipeline, why Kinder Morgan is, is in, in the national interest, and then the National well, Energy Board makes, it, makes its ruling. Wasn't there a protest yesterday? There was a, a protest. Was it big? I would call it a loose protest. <laughs> um, it was a handful of people outside. Uh, I, you know, I did my due diligence as a journalist and asked them who they were and what they were doing. They weren't affiliated with any group. They seemed to be kind of a collection of concerned citizens, they said. Um, and uh, they were there kind of protesting uh, protesting pipelines, but also uh, just kind of advocating for renewable energy sources. Um, and there have, you know, it's it's important to note yesterday's protest outside the Shaw Centre was very, very small. Uh, Notley, though, when she was in Vancouver, did face, uh, there were more protests there and, and yeah. people were getting a bit more worked up, I would say, obviously, because of, you know, where the pipeline will go. <laughs> I was talking to... Um who was it? I think it was Kim Ternacity from CBC said that they they were all very lovely. Oh, no, they were lovely. They, they were very lovely. And, you know, I asked uh, if they had any past affiliations and one person had been with Greenpeace before. And, okay. um, yeah, so I think they were they were very – it was a very relaxed, one of the most relaxed protests <laughs> I've ever been to. It was, it was a lovely so, day yesterday. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> there was no anger there. A, a lovely <laughs> December to stand outside in the sunshine. Yeah. Now, politically, of course, the UCP loves to bring up the pipeline thing and say, well, I mean, two of them would be cancelled under your watch. And then the NDP brings up, yeah, well, we got them through because – ah." Uh, climate plan kind of thing. So, Paula, do you think politically this is going to be something that the UCP will let go of the stick they keep bashing them over? No, I mean, the UCP is not letting go of the stick. I mean, even as, as Graham said, even when they were praising Notley for the handling of the license plate thing, they were like, oh, but but like, why aren't you tougher on pipelines? <laughs> yeah, so, right. I mean, they're, they're not going to let it go. I mean, frankly, if that pipeline got built in the next 18 months and you know, and bitumen started loading onto boats for China, uh, Jason Kenney would still complain that they didn't get a different other pipeline also built. So no, I mean, he's, he's, he's not going to let that go. But as, as Claire <laughs> said, uh, Notley had a good week, mm-hmm. you know, um, they don't always get good weeks. But this was this was one where a bunch of different things really sort of outside of her ambit conspired to to shine happy lights on her. Oh, lucky her. All right, let's move over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we have read or seen or listened to lately that, dear listeners, we suspect you might like also. Clancy, what do you have for us, mate? Um, I'm going to recommend a new podcast that I'm obsessed with that was actually recommended to me by the lovely Yuri Graney. Oh, he's a nice guy. He is. Uh, <laughs> Log rolling in our time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and it's a, it's a really fascinating podcast called Heaven's Gate uh, that just launched, and it's about the cult, Heaven's Gate, uh, which ended in a mass suicide. Uh, it's very dark and very super interesting. <laughs> really, really fascinating. I flew to Ottawa last weekend, and I um, downloaded six episodes to listen to on the plane and was completely hooked. So. Excellent. Paula, what do you have? Uh, this week's Economist, the print edition, has a, front, has, has a cover story, which you can also find online, called the war the world forgot and it's about yemen and just seeing the uh the economist when it arrived at my house because my husband subscribes um to the actual paper version uh, uh it just made me sort of very guiltily conscious of how little i actually know about the war in yemen the economist has really good stuff not just this 
cover story, which you can find online, and I'll give you the link, but also an updated story about the sort of latest developments in Yemen that have happened this, since this piece was published. And so if, like me, you need to understand better what is going on in Yemen and why it matters, uh, really good reporting from The Economist in good context. And I just want to point out that I think it is so important to know more about um, that war in particular because of Canadian investment that has been uh, you know, but, but oil companies lot, yeah. have had so much investment in Yemen over the last few decades, and a lot of them have pulled out their projects because of, uh, you know, the fragility the unrest, of the yeah. state. Yeah. I'm going to recommend something from Politico. Uh, they did an investigation. It's called The Environmental Scandal in Scott Pruitt's Backyard. So it's about this place called Tar Creek in Oklahoma that was left absolutely just battered and bruised because of a bunch of lead and stuff mining. The kids in this place had like three times the level of lead poisoning that kids in Flint, Michigan had at the height of the water crisis, which tells you something. Um, but it comes under the it, – it, it's the area of Scott Pruitt. So he is now the Environmental Protection Agency chief in the United States. And he's facing, obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of pushback. People say that they were forced out of their houses. Um, there was unfair money being given according to who you knew. Um, contracts were given out unfairly to clean up the place and it never happened anyway. So it's this towering mess of toxic waste, basically, in Oklahoma. And the implications for the uh, new appointment at the EPA. It's a great investigation. Uh, Graham, what do you have? My good stuff fascination I have with North Korea. Um, there's a story, it was a really good piece on uh, CBC, uh, Drugs Counterfeiting, How North Korea Survives on Proceeds of Crime. It talks about the uh, missile launch that, you know, that North Korea's been doing. It's not just to threaten the U.S. It's also it's a, it's a sales job to other countries saying, look, we have this technology. This, so it's not just a case of you know, they can buy weapons from us or drugs from us. We now have the ability to launch uh, rockets. You can buy those for us at a very high price. But this is how North Korea is getting around sanctions in terms of getting money into its pocket is by selling arms and drugs. And the latest arms, of course, is its uh, ICBMs. Guys, thank you so much for joining me here on the Press Gallery. Clancy, Paula. Graham Thompson and Sean Butts, who was here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com. And special thanks to Bruce, who came up and switched <laughs> the hard drives yes. in the computer so that we could bring you this podcast. Yes, yes Bruce, our you, magical Bruce. IT guy, because the laptop died that we usually recorded on. It flickered in red and died. So Bruce <laughs> somehow brought a new laptop up and brought it back to life. Hooray! That's why you have a podcast today, listeners. Um, you can, of course, subscribe and I would encourage you to do so so that you get the latest episodes downloaded straight to your device, whether you listen on Google Play or Stitcher. Do subscribe. And if you can't find it, again, get in touch with me, egraney at postmedia.com or Emma L. Graney on Twitter. You can DM me. Join us this time next week on the Press Gallery.